Welcome to the Which Way Is Up show with Michi and Scott. I'm Michi. And I am Scott. The message is clear. Anti-racism, anti-capitalism, anti-imperialism in order to dismantle the colonized mindset. The Which Way Is Up show offers us an opportunity to engage in the public conversation while being critical about social concerns in an effort to become more engaged citizens. You and I often talk about media literacy and misinformation, disinformation, and we kind of communicate the importance of this, especially when it comes to social media. And the media literacy field and um, the academics behind media literacy is nothing new. It's been around before social media, and it's kind of a, a general discussion and not well not generally i mean people can actually study it and communicate when people go on for degrees and communication and things like that they really get into you know the types of media the mess types of messaging the purpose of messaging propaganda all that stuff but when we start getting into the critical cultural disinformation which is i think our passion and excitement around this topic comes in because it's, it's not just about being more responsible media consumer. You know, this is about how how misinformation and disinformation is all also impacting marginalized communities and work that we're passionate about. So, mm-hmm. you know, because I think when when we when we talk about it or we bring it up towards you know a certain segment in our shows, it's not really a sexy topic. You know, it's not where it's like you know everybody's you know like oh, it wow. can be. Yeah, it, it can, can be. But we, we we're trying to we're trying to you know make it a little sexy. You know, hof- <laughs> you know, hopefully. But yeah, it's it's not really something that grabs people's attention right away. You know, it's not something that directly linked to gossip or you know just what's going on right but now. I think that it goes deeper than that. I don't think it's that people don't find it interesting. I think that it's a difficult topic to grasp because you really have to think about the role that the media has played in forming who we are as a nation, right? Like just, you know, there's there's always been stories of like when radio first came out, like literally families would sit around the radio all day, listen to shows because there was no TV. They would get news about what was happening and it wasn't like... Like when you kind of watch old movies or whatever, or even when you hear old news reports, they're very like, tick, 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 tick. you hear the sound in the background, right? And then it's like very factual, bullet pointed. Um, it was sensationalized, but that was because there was nothing else. So you had to grab people's attention. And so they'd be like, breaking news. Da, da, da. So it sounded dramatic, but there was no like fluff or extra, you know, um, or so people thought. And so, you know, this is what you're saying is that media literacy has been a topic forever since it was radio, since it was TV. But then especially once the, well, printed has always been there. But um, this is where we've always gotten our information. Um, And so now what we're saying when we talk about media literacy is that that we've been lied to, that there's a potential that our trusted news sources and that whoever it is that's being covered or who's sharing this information to, uh, you know, information with us has been lying to us. 
And a lot of people really do put their, like Dan rather lied to me, you know, like who wants to, you know, come to terms with that. So there's something deeper happening because then people also start to think, okay, well then if I can't trust ABC, NBC, CBS, you know, MSN.com, then who can I trust? Where can I go to get my information? That's where media literacy and missing disinformation study gets sexy. Because if you know how to navigate that, if you know how to ask questions, which we'll talk about at the end of the show, then that's where you become an educated consumer of media. Exactly. And, <laughs> and just to go back a little bit to where you talked about you know, the invention of radio and the attention that it was given at the time, because it was it was a really big thing. So yeah, there were families gathering around the radio. And then, you know, after time after some time, the same thing with television, right. where even with the news, where people gathered around the television at five mm -hmm. o'clock, six o'clock, you know, the evening news or whatever, to to get informed. And um, what what really kind of threw a monkey wrench into this whole thing is the invention of social media oh yeah yeah so even the media literacy scholars really had to regroup and yes. re-strategize because of not only of the 24-hour news cycle that we have now which also came in right before the internet you know in the 90s you know where before it was five o'clock, six o'clock news. And next thing you know, we have CNN going 24 hours a day right. and then Fox News came behind them. And then all the, the, the other ones, MSNBC and so on, as far as the corporate control media is concerned. Right. Um, so, you know, the scholars, the media literacy scholars had to regroup, re-strategize and start thinking in a more fast pace environment of right. how you know and then when social media becomes involved then it's you know it you know it just really ups the stakes as far as the importance of you know getting this information out and and trying to encourage the general public to be more responsible media consumers so just right. to just to recap misinformation and disinformation you know we we explained over the course of many shows that you know, misinformation is pretty much general information that's passed along that can either be false or misunderstood and being shared by people that don't understand that it might be false, it might be a lie, it might be misinterpreted and, and might be put in the app, you know, put out there in order to confuse people. And disinformation is the deliberate spreading of false information or you know half truths if you know i hate that word but half truth information half true information or misunderstood information usually by bad actors that want to profit off of it or gain power you know there's always a motive for it well there's there's actually reasons why people are deliberately pumping disinformation into the you know the public discussion you know, so today we're talking about cultural misinformation and disinformation, and I just want to break down these definitions a little bit deeper. And this is defined by the National Black Cultural Information Trust, and they uh, define cultural misinformation as false information surrounding surrounding cultural issues or topics spread unintentionally. 
So it's pretty much what we said basically about misinformation, but it's attached to cultural issues. And we'll talk a little bit about what cultural issues are and what they look like throughout the show. And they define disinformation as false information that is intentionally shared, usually to create confusion or manipulate target audiences. People, organizations, or governments that spread disinformation often do so deliberately to control perceptions or to cause confusion among their target audiences. So cultural disinformation is centered around cultural issues. And we talked a few weeks ago about populations that are vulnerable to you know these strategies that are put out by these bad actors and we talked about tapping into people's anxiety so when we're talking about cultural issues we're talking about anxieties related to trauma that certain groups a lot of marginalized groups different groups have suffered and these bad actors are able to tap into their anxieties and using using that trauma to their advantage where the information becomes more relatable, more believable, and where people won't take a time to pause, right? We talked about that pausing right. mm -hmm. and being able to really process what's being put in front of them before they decide to just share it with their family, friends, and their followers that they have online. What do you right. think? Well, I mean, I think also um, something else that came up in another conversation we had was um, cultural disinformation, like you said, preys on some event, history um, that occurred, they tap into that to, you know, conjure up fear and what have you. And it is a total power play. And so it's not that we discredit that, you know, like if it happened, it happened. You can't erase that. But you also have to have context. And so I had mentioned this, like I said, in a conversation that you and I had is that um, that bringing that up removes the issue outside of its context you can't compare what is occurring globally to a bad choice that the government made, you know, however many years, 70 years ago, you know, um, and one that was supported by unscrupulous pharma, let's say, you know, um, or some, you know, scientists in a region of the country where there's like prevalent, you know, KKK or, you know, whatever. Again, you have to take things into context. Did those things happen? Yes. But is that what's happening now? No. And, you know, even in therapy, there's ways that for post-traumatic stress, this is a constant exercise that people have to do is, okay, we're totally get that you had this experience, but is that happening now? ground yourself is it happening now no okay good because really that's what you know post post-traumatic stress is right it's it is taking you back but realistically is it happening now are you in harm now no you know it's just that the mind is there so um again it's not to discredit uh, we're not saying that these things didn't happen we're not saying that we're going to ignore them but we have to put it into context there's a global pandemic everybody's going through this it's not a isolated targeted you know event um, so, yeah, I think I think it's really important what you just said, as far as us acknowledging the trauma 
you know, not dismissing the trauma, not trying to say that it's not legit. Like, yes, these things happen. There were some horrible things that have mm -hmm. happened to many different groups throughout the history in this country and, and globally, right? Right. Because I think that's when, when you start tapping into some of that and you're trying to provide some clarity, I think people, you know, their defense mechanisms go up and, mm -hmm. you know, the first thing they say is, you know, are you trying to minimize what happened to my people? Or, you know, and, and it's like, no, we're not. We're, we're trying to highlight how be, the trauma, what took place, what happened, which were true and factual events that we learned, you know, throughout time and how people are taking those facts that in those events that happen out time and they're attaching it to things that are not true in order for more people to believe it and to make it more believable. Right. So and ultimately you know, the the goal in doing that is to further weaken the very people that they claim to care so much about. Oh my goodness, because they did this to your people. You know, you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, and and a lot of times it. it doesn't even come with like the sympathy, it comes with the anger, you know, like 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 to incite the anger. Are you gonna let them do this to your people again? And it's like yes, you know, yeah. yeah so it's mm -hmm. like, you know. And, and, and the only reason they're doing that is because they don't want you, for example, to get a vaccine that's going to save your life so that Man. you can die because they don't care. Yeah. And we <laughs> like and to we're just put it bluntly. That. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk. That's, you know, that's important. <laughs> and, and obviously we're talking about COVID related issues and vaccines, even though we're going to go into more stuff. Yes, but because we're bring, we're we're bringing that up because this, that's the moment. This is the moment that we're in right now. Yeah, and we're well. Seeing, there's a correlation between yeah. the two things that we're going to discuss, and right. one of them is like live and in action right now. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So to revisit an article that we brought up a few weeks ago, not or just a, a few episodes ago, it is a um, article that we talked about as far as the title of it is critical disinformation studies history power and politics and i wanted to revisit it because it's it's a really really good essay written and it it taps into not just misinformation but it's describing disinformation as critical studies and i'm just going to read a portion of the intro of the essay um, where, you know, they describe it as a critical approach to disinformation research that is grounded in history, culture, and politics, and leaves questions of power and inequality. In the United States, identity, particularly race, plays a key role in the messages and strategies of disinformation producers and who disinformation and misinformation resonates with. Expanding what counts as disinformation demonstrates that disinformation is a primary media strategy that has been used in the U.S. to reproduce and reinforce white supremacy and hierarchies of power at the expense of populations that lack social, cultural, political, and economic power. The essay argues that analyses of disinformation are more affected when they include grounded disinformation studies in history, society, culture, and politics, centering analysis on what I just mentioned, how social different, differentiations such as race, gender, and class shape dynamics of disinformation, foregrounding questions of how institutional power 
and economic, social, and cultural, and technological structures shape disinformation and stating and maintaining explicit commitments to justice and equality. Disinformation has historically empowered the dominant group's perspective. Historically, the authors highlight European imperial powers used images, speech, and text to reinforce who was the colonizer and who was colonized and established racial hierarchies, dehumanizing indigenous peoples and delegitimizing indigenous histories, knowledge, and societies. Social and political actors used to le legitimize and validate social inequality. So let's, let's just process that, yeah. pro you know, process <laughs> that for a minute, because it's a lot there. Um, but they're highlighting that there's been, a, you know, this is not just, you know, limited to the social media age, that, you know, throughout history, there have always been powerful forces that have, you know, nece not necessarily have to, you know, re you know, be limited to violence, but also understand the importance of delegitimizing cultural, you know, histories and, and tradition, you know, and, and the purpose, why, why do they do this? The purpose of this is to get the general public on board. You right. know, if, if you think about, let's say police violence, you know, just to bring it a little more into today, day and age, if you think about police violence, when the local news or the, the national news, they get they get wind of a story, which is usually from directly from the police, right? Mm -hmm. They the police release statements. Right. And you know, it's usually attached with, you know, the, the person that's the victim is usually includes their criminal background, you right. know, what they what they were suspected of doing. They're labeled as a suspect and not a right. victim. Right. Right. So that that's important because when when the the general public is taking in that information then then it's a dehumanizing process where their life is not as valuable because they are a suspect because right. they were arrested five ten years ago for this and this crime so they must have been up to no good when this incident took place well and it's also like how um and i just became aware of this i want to say maybe Oh, gosh, uh, about a year ago, about a year ago, when Derek Chauvin went on trial for killing and murdering George Floyd. In the past, everyone all over would have been calling it the George Floyd trial, like as if he was the one on trial for doing something wrong. And I specifically remember someone saying, and I forgot who it was, it might've been like Sean King or, you know, Lee Merritt or one of the, you know, people on the front lines of that movement who said, George Floyd is not on trial. He was the victim here. We need to call it the trial of whoever it is who's on trial. And I remember myself, like really, it took an effort for me to, I had to stop and the Derek Chauvin trial, you know, because it, I was real quick, the George Floyd trial, you know, and, and it's like, we know what we're talking about, but he's not on trial. And then it made me think, what does that do to the community that, you know, it, it's very subliminal. And this is why it's so important to do it is because, and all across the media, it was the George Floyd trial. 
But no, he's not on trial. Derek Chauvin is. And that's how I'm referring to it. And anybody that hears it out of my mouth is going to hear it that way, hopefully, so that that something triggers. But God, you think you think about um, (laughs) specifically with um, George Floyd's murder and that trial where um, and this is, you know, this is not by accident, you know, that, you know, you you were meant to start referring to what was happening as the George Floyd trial. Absolutely. You know, it, it's interesting if we, if we if you take a look at the messaging that went on there where the narrative became about George Floyd's drug use or past drug use, mm-hmm. right? They they were even saying that he died from an overdose, right? And right. and then their his supposed tox reports were put into the to the um you know into the stream into the public stream and so that you know and and then and and people that didn't pause right mm-hmm. just took that information you know on 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 head value and kind of went with it where i seen people arguing on social media like he he didn't you know this this is for the people that continue to defend what happened because a right. lot of people let's let's just be fair a lot of people you know, even police or whatever was like, no, that shit was wrong. You yeah. know, he killed that man. But there's still a yeah. group, there was still a group, you know, that was traditionally holding on to their yeah. by, their values, their back to blue values. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were, they were saying, first of all, when you have an overdose, when someone's overdosing, they're not, they can't, they're not talking, right? Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're literally going into a deep state of unconsciousness or whatever. And a lot of times they're, they're gurgling, like they're gasping. Yeah. Like there's no talking. Like yeah. people are not saying, um, can you help me? I'm overdosing. That's, <laughs> that's not happening. So, right, right, right. you know, yeah. but you know, and, and everybody may not have that knowledge or whatever, but it's important for people that do have it to pump it in there. It's like, yo, no, that's not an overdose because Absolutely, that, man yeah. was, that man was begging for his life practically. Yeah. So, you know, it was an overdose. What What's also interesting I found is it was said that, you know, he struggled with opioid use. I don't know if it was current at the time or he was, you know, it was past drug use or whatever. But we're in this moment now where the opioid epidemic has been deemed a medical crisis, mm-hmm. right? And we know why, right? Be- where, right. because mm-hmm. it's been impacting not only rural America, but mostly people that are not of color of the dominant group, where it's really taken them out, you know, in, in right. large numbers. But for that moment, we went back to the old crack era version of drug addict. Because it was a black man, and it was he was being dismissed as just being a drug addict anyway. Right. So his right. life really doesn't matter, you know. Or he was probably up to no good, and that's why what happens. And and let let's let's just say that you know he did that because I I believe they were saying that he passed off a, a counterfeit bill or tried to mm-hmm. in that in that store. <clears throat> let let's say he did try to do that, right? That doesn't warrant a death sentence. No, no doubt. Right? First, yeah. first of all, there's no violence involved, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and and even if he got into a fight with that store clerk or whatever, even if he beat up that store clerk, once he was engaged by the police and he got to a point where he was in a submissive position, taken into custody, right? That there's no reason why he should be dying because of yeah. whatever allegedly happened. 
Yeah, so no. That, that's just cause... an example of the dehumanizing in, in current times, you know, and this yeah. is something that's happened. And I'm going to tell you about how this has happened throughout history, where um, these type of narratives that, you know, are usually lead to violent responses by law enforcement and the general public, such as lynchings, the Fugitive Slave Act, the drug war, the crime bill, welfare reform. These are all things that are pumped into the public conversation in order to gain public support. And it works amazingly well where, you know, people, they're so easily swayed by, you know, whatever, whatever their, their method of, of media consumption is, they mm -hmm. just take it on face value. They question and, nothing. Yeah, they question you know, nothing. Right. Yeah. And that is, is concerning, you know, and, and you know, you think about the polling when it, when it comes to elections and a lot of people have lost faith that some people never believed in the polling as far as the science behind that and how that works. And I even had to, you know, take a look and kind of revisit what I think about polling or whatever. And first I got to recognize that it's something, it's, it's science, it's something that I don't know about, that there are trained professionals mm -hmm. that do the polling. But a common sense vision came to me with polling is you poll, you're polling a certain group or a certain amount of people you know, shortly before an election to kind of get the feel of who's going to win, how, you know, how close the race is or whatever. And then you have what's called the October surprise, right? What used to be some type of drama or scandal that's released into the public right before the election, you know, that used to work until Trump <laughs> ran because that used to work flawlessly where that one scandal and it could it, it it something that could have happened five ten years ago that mm -hmm. one scandal is able to shift public opinion instantly mm -hmm. right so then the outcome of the election looks a lot different than the polling did right before the election and it's mm -hmm. like no I, I think it's not necessarily limited <clears throat> to the accuracy or the science behind the polling it's just that the people's opinion the general public opinion is so easily swayed by, by the type. media yes yes by the media and what they throw out there and it's usually the opponent who I'm sure conveniently found this info from five, 10 years ago that, but anyway, that's another topic. Go ahead. I'll let you. Get yeah. So that. let's get into a little more of these meat and potatoes that we got lined up here. Uh, so I want to, I want to talk about um, a group called national black cultural information trust that I talked about briefly as when I just, you know, explained the um, definitions of cultural misinformation and disinformation and I'm, I just want to tell you a little bit about who they are. And I'm going to read their mission statement. Um, the NBCI Trust is a pan-African initiative that uses communications, media, and cultural storytelling to share information and resources that correct and challenge cultural misinformation and disinformation surrounding racial, ethnic identity, anti-Blackness, and other false narratives that harm our communities. So distrust and confusion around issues such as voting, reparations, police violence, et cetera. Now, um, one of the things, one of the issues that they are 
attacking and what you you and I are bringing up is you know issues related to COVID nineteen. So if if you think about some of the narratives that were put out early on, early twenty twenty, when we had the initial outbreak, you know, remember they they were saying black people were immune to the virus that was being pumped into the um you know to the universe so to speak right because um mind you it 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 what it hadn't spread into every corner and every pocket of this country at the time so you're talking about maybe march april where like yeah we're hearing about it on the news but for most of us it hasn't really hit home yet and mm -hmm. i've you know you know, now, first of all, I've never, I never entertained that thought that, you know, black folks are are immune to that or whatever. And at the same time, n nobody that I knew in my immediate circle or even on my social media feeds had yet been impacted by it, but I wasn't going to entertain that. But I did see people sharing that on my timelines, you know, in my news feed, um, uh, black folks, you mm -hmm. know, were entertaining that. So if you think about how dangerous that is in, in regard to COVID, especially with the limited information that we had at the time, you know, that that's that's scary, you know. So we, we move on a little bit to now that we get to the point where we get vaccines, the NBCI trust, they also highlight how um, there was a lot of reference to the Tuskegee experiment. When it, you know, when it came down to the COVID vaccine, and let's let's acknowledge the T Tuskegee experiment for what it is. Like we said, we're going to do. We're not going to dismiss it. Um, Can you just briefly explain what the, for those who don't know? Right. So the the Tuskegee experiment was an experiment. Well, for, first of all, let me let me put let me say what was being said about it. Where okay, um, as far as you know, as far as distrust for the COVID vaccine and it being labeled as a government experimentation, they were saying that, you know, and, and we've seen it in, in, in the media feeds where they were like, remember what happened with Tuskegee, you know, and it was kind of signal is a signal to black and African-American folks, like remember what happened. So the Tuskegee experiment was an experiment where um, they, um, they wanted to observe the effects of syphilis right so the the perception was that they were injecting people with syphilis in order to, for them to display the symptoms and the effect and the impact of the syphilis virus and that's not what it was it was people that were already infected that they wanted to observe the issue that the issue behind the the tuskegee experiment is that they offered them no treatment you know, mm -hmm. in order to be able to watch how that disease progresses and impacts people. And even every, during that experiment that went over the course of decades, the cure became, you know, they, they discovered the cure, which was penicillin. Mm -hmm. And they didn't tell the participants mm -hmm. in that, you know, they didn't tell them they had a cure because they wanted to still see the disease progress, was right. ultimately left to, left, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them died. Right. Right. So they so, weren't intentionally injected. With no, syphilis. no. Now, OK, you see, I, that's what I always thought it was. Exactly. Because th that's, I didn't pause. Right. I didn't, didn't do my pause, research. But, but let, to be fair, 
through my through my research um, in Guatemala, there was similar experiment going on that involved the U.S. government along with the you know Guatemalan government, where they were purposely infecting people with syphilis mm. in in another country. So mm-hmm. we we're not letting the government off the hook here. Oh no no no, no, no. definitely not. No, well, yeah, but I just wanted to point out, like, the context, you know, again, like, this is... Um, right. So, yeah. I, I mean, and if you think about it, if they got the cure, right, and the, this is where one of one of the incidents and one of the cases that really um, led to laws around informed consent, where if yes. people are going to volunteer for studies, medical studies, that they need to know the risks... You know, they need to know the possible outcomes or whatever. Right. And that's not clearly not that that didn't happen there, because if those people would have found out that a cure became available during the course of their, Hello. you know, yeah. they would have been like, yeah, I, I, I think I want that, you know, you know, yeah. study over. Like, that's OK. You got what you need. It's over with yeah, now. Yeah. But they, they weren't afforded that that opportunity. So taking that trauma, you know, that cultural trauma and attaching it to COVID vaccines, it it's very easy for 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 us. And and the reason why I learned the details of it was I you know I did a paper in school mm-hmm. talking about um, certain studies like that. So that's how I got to learn about. It. And then I was like, and then and then once this you know the the COVID vaccine came up, and I started seeing these memes talking about Tuskegee experiment, and then the, the term experiment itself. Mm-hmm. It you know it's it's a um it's a bit misleading yeah, yeah. you know so it, it, you know it was an incident um and actually I'm in my notes I got I got how things were titled yeah and we, we, <laughs> we, we that, yeah yeah so you know so I I just wanted to touch on that because that type of disinformation is attached to historical fact and is put into a meme right mm-hmm. it's put into a meme it's put into a headline and we talked about the fast brain remember some, yes some, we did you know, we, we talked we talked about the fast brain and how it is in autopilot so when you're going through a social media feed you know it, it only takes a second to take it really you know to take in what that meme says or whatever and if, if it's if it looks halfway decent you're going to take that as fact well, you're your fast gonna... brain also is the one that's like triggered. It's like fear, trauma. So anything that has to do with those, your fast brain is going to take it, hold on to it. And that's what it is. Right. And that's what you said. Anyway. And some <laughs> and sometimes sometimes it's interesting because not necessarily memes, but you can look at headlines that could be designed to be what's called clickbait, you know, trigger you where you click if you know, for people that bother to click right sometimes the truth might be in the article right it's right. just framed right. a certain way in the headline to get right. you to read and learn but a lot of people don't do that they just click share you know because they read the headline they got triggered and they do that and they you know it's just this vicious cycle of sharing the headline over and over which is not completely accurate or completely inaccurate, you know? And it, right, because so, and this is why we use the words misinformation and disinformation, 
because there's a difference. Misinformation is, and I'll go back so that I don't say something that wasn't said, but <laughs> misinformation is false information surrounding cultural issues or topics that spreads unintentionally. And so that's a good example. There's an article that has um, a, uh, some headline, but when you actually read the article, you see that the headline is like a really catchy summarization to get you to read the article, you know? But a, what a lot of people think is that this is what it is. A good example of that is a couple of weeks ago, I told you that, and I think I discussed it while on the while on the podcast that, you know, a friend of mine had shared an article about a study that was done that women were reporting that, you know, their, their cycles were being impacted by the vaccines, you know, and, you know, she shared it and she was like, oh my God, is this true? And I'm like, but, and, and I had seen the article before. And naturally when I saw the article, I clicked it and I read it because I was like, okay, hold on. This is relevant to me. Um, and the article was actually extremely informative. It told me everything I needed to know about what the topic was. And I was like, oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Had Ooh. I not done that, had I stayed at the article headline, had yeah, I totally would have been, mm -hmm, I totally would have been like, oh my God, I'm not going to get it. I need to no read it and then see what's going on. Whereas this information is where they would take something like that take that article, share it and be like, oh, because remember when and attach it to something else to just incite more fear, to um, ensure that that fast brain stays in control at all times, that no pause happens, that no consideration of context takes place. Or if you're thinking about bad actors where they can take that article with some accurate information but that with a misleading headline and yeah. just take a screenshot of it, right? We talked mm -hmm. about this, you and I, about, you know, how we're suspicious of screenshots that are being shared as news or, or um, public safety alerts or whatever. And if you, you take a screenshot of the face of that article with the headline and you share it, people don't have the immediate option to click and read because there's nothing there it's a, it's a picture right and if they don't bother to take that headline and type it into their search bar and look into it further which most people are not going to do because that you know most people don't got time because they need to continue to be scrolling on that you know stuck into that infinite scroll pattern you mm -hmm. know so most people are not going to do that and and the, and these people these powers these bad actors know that you know they know yeah. that you're just going to yeah. you're not only that you, you you're not you can't even click on the screenshot but you're just going to take that screenshot and you're just going to share it you and i saw um one of those screenshot things the other day and i don't know if you went a little deeper the way i did it was the map there was a map that we saw someone shared about God, what was it? Yeah, human trafficking. Yeah. And the map. Which is a, which is, is a cultural a legitimate concern. Trauma. Right. Legitimate concern. Again, let's make it clear. We are not delegitimizing any of what we're referring to. Um, but honestly, I didn't know what the map was referring to. There was a lot of different colors. There was just a lot of, and then there was like a caption. And I was like, but what does this map mean? For all I know, 
this is all the successful, you know, like uh, human trafficking uh, operations that have taken place, you know, meaning in other words, they were able to like save all these people. Or is this where there's actual people being trafficked? And then how would you know that? And if you know where they are, then why aren't you, you know, like I just had a lot of questions about this map. Right. And I went back to the source um, because it was mentioned and I went on the website and they have a lot of statistics and I was able to get, so I'm still not clear on why the different colors, because there wasn't a breakdown. Maybe I didn't dig deep enough, but at the very least, I saw that it was a legitimate photograph. Yeah. But again, the caption that was with it didn't tell me enough about what I was looking at, you know, and I'm still and I went straight to the source and I'm still left with questions. But at least I know that who the source is now, what they do. I learned something else about it. But honestly, that's just that's a bad actor. Now, just just out of curiosity, when you did when you were able to track down, identify the actual source, was that an actual map that they were using or was it? So they actually released this map every year mm. um, as part of their reporting. The map is a, a depiction of where there have been reports of human trafficking. And again, I wasn't able to determine what the different colors were because they were like blue dots, green dots, red dot. Like, I don't know. Is that the a number of, of reports yeah. or is that? The number of, you know, so, so again, uh, that I wasn't clear on, but there were a lot of reports, a lot of different reports on that website, chock full of information. So I just didn't have time to dig deeper. It, I'm sure if I did, there is an explanation of all the different colors and whatnot. But at, but again, at the very least, I had to determine whether or not that map was actually a valid map for all i know that was a map of the dairy queens across the country you know <laughs> one, so. one thing about first of all it was it was great that your your pause process led you to that source and you seem to have come across a good wealth of information i'm actually going to share the link because i think that the national it's it's like the national human but i'm going to sure. share the link so you could put it in the notes even even though you didn't have time to go through everything you know that that site exists and you know if you ever become interested or you want to investigate further like you know where to go which mm -hmm. wasn't attached to the initial post mm -hmm. right? no i had to go outside of the initial post and do my yeah. own homework yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and it, even even the poster probably legitimately didn't know the source was because they just got that image from someone yeah. else you know obviously yeah. they I'm, I'm sure they didn't create it themselves because i know who you're talking about and they they just love they just love some posts like that you know some they they, they thrive with disinformation you know so mm -hmm. um but to touch on one part you know a little part about that again and i'm gonna touch on one more thing and then turn it over to you the imaging is an, a big part of the disinformation in general um, because that map had a lot of red highlighted on it and the red that color red we usually associate yeah like warning danger mm -hmm. right you know when we see the, you know we see we see maps like that with with the I'm talking about COVID and yeah. the spread of COVID and you see mm -hmm. all these areas with the red so that that image that color is something that 
triggers the anxieties in us, right? Mm -hmm, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm, you know, that, that most people don't think about, which I didn't think about till I really started getting into reading about this media literacy thing and, mm -hmm. you know, the effectiveness of using imaging, you know, so it's not only the words, you know, so it's something that yes. like you just said, it's the image of the map, the breakdown right. of the rap, the colors used in the map. So oh, I just absolutely. wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to add that. So lastly, and going back to the National Black Cultural Information Trust, they talk about the digital blackface. I've mentioned this to some people sometimes. Like, what do you mean digital blackface, right? So I initially read about the digital blackface. There was an article in Teen Vogue about, I want to say about three years ago. And what they were describing as digital blackface was people um, of the dominant group, white folks on social media, using either memes or GIF images of black people with certain comments that would appear to be associated with what a black person would say, you know, and it would look a little awkward with a white person saying it. So they would use those images to, to you know, so to basically express black thought, but it's white people using it. So they were kind of calling them out on the overuse of it. Like they, it wasn't like it was just something that was randomly done. They noticed the pattern of it, right? So they were using blackface to quote unquote express black thought, but a lot of times the black thought that they were supposedly expressing wasn't really consistent with what black folks would say or think, but it mm -hmm. was more in favor of the certain narrative that they were pushing in their posts, right? right? So right. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. But the, um, I mean, the MBCI trust, they, they talk about the digital blackface and they define it as when someone is, that is not black pretends to be black online. They often use stock photos and cartoons and uh, you know black historical Im images such as Martin Luther King. You know certain quotes that he may have not said or maybe that he did say that were used in that meme and in that situation to be taken out of context. And um, celebrity photos of Black celebrities, African-American celebrities as their profile pictures, right? Um, they go on to say these accounts often profess to be Black. They may even say when they're commenting, as a Black man, I believe, or as a Black woman, I believe, digital Blackface is usually detected by abnormal behavior and incorrect usage of African-American vernacular English. This is interesting because before I even came across this information, I used to see this all the time online where it's like, first of all, you got, um, like they said, the, the profile picture is of a black person, whether it be a celebrity or just be a regular mm -hmm. person that nobody knows. It's of a black person. One red flag is that person has like little to no followers, right? Or that that profile that's being extra in the comments was just created this morning or yesterday. Mm -hmm. right? Those are the immediate red flags. But what they're talking about also, it, especially when they, they talk about um, abnormal behavior and incorrect usage of African-American vernacular English. And I'll throw this term out there, cultural incompetence, right? Where these people get extra with the behavior and language that they perceive 
mm-hmm. to belong to black people. Like they right. think that black people, first of all, like I've seen people in like, you know, terms like biatch and, you know, certain terms like, um, right, right. E- Ebonics. They're extra the, with it. Yeah. Like they're the, extra so, with it. Yeah. So-called Ebonics from the nineties. And it's like 2021, 2022. And it's like, even, even if there were some black people that did talk like that, they don't talk like that anymore. Like you're way <laughs> off. You're like, you're decades off. So I don't know if everybody just get, you know, gave it that much, atten- much attention, but I'm like, yeah, that, that, that doesn't really make sense, you know, especially when I know that those are really old terms and you got somebody's profile picture that looks about 21. So you weren't even around when those terms were being used, you yeah, know, yeah. so that, that should trigger red flags. And lastly, they highlight hashtags that were used with the digital blackface, mm-hmm. Ta- you know, hashtags like hashtag walk away, which is referring to um, the Democratic Party where it's the assumption that all Black people or the majority of Black people are affiliated or card-carrying members of the Democratic Party, which is just not true. Even though they may, a majority may vote for the Democratic Party, and that's simply because the Republican Party is offering no options. Like they're, (laughs) they're just telling you, walk away, walk away to what? Just, Just walk away. And they're also describing the Democratic Party, listen to the trauma, as the plantation right and and telling black folks you know you're stuck on the plantation and you need to get off of that not telling them where they should go and where the better option is you just need to get off the plantation mm-hmm. to trigger the anxieties you know right also they use tags hashtags like hashtag blacks for trump hashtag black voices for trump right <laughs> And I've seen, and, and we've seen, we've seen some of the imaging in the Trump rallies of the one black dude that's there in all the rallies, all the years, um, that wears the Blacks for Trump t-shirt, which is definitely a, a paid actor, you know, and, and, and that's already been proven. But, you know, to, to give the impression that, yeah, now, now that's not to say that there aren't black folks that voted for Trump because there yeah, is. I was going to say, what about Candace Owens? There, yeah, yeah. We're going to get, that's the last one. We're going to get into that right now. <laughs> there. there there, that's not to say it is. So we're not saying that there's no way that Blacks can vote for Trump because we know that they did. And that's mm-hmm. one, one thing they use to try to discredit you for, for pointing out the, the bullshit here. And they'd be like, oh, you're trying to say that no Blacks have voted for Trump? It's like, no, no, we're not trying to say it. What we're trying mm-hmm. to say is that you're trying to trigger people's anxieties to mm-hmm. get more Black people to vote for Trump than there actually is, right? So, and that was leads us to the last hashtag, last hashtag which is um, hashtag Blexit. Um, and what that refers to is Black people exiting the Democratic Party, which was led by Candace Owens, right? You know, just to let you know, like Candace Owens, just because I know some of you, especially some of you, you know, my friends, some of you kind of feeling Candace Owens because you think she's outspoken, you think she's got no chill, no filter, whatever. <laughs> just to let you know that she works for an agency called Turning Point USA that is not Black owned, right? She might be the only black employee there. And what they do is they're what do they do? Turning point USA, they do media messaging, mm-hmm. right? And their, their whole purpose is to build a conservative base and ultimately, you know, and draw more people, you know, people in general to the Republican party. But Candace Owens' assignment 
is to attract more black people and people of color, which she tried to do when she pulled, you know, she pulled in and latched on to Kanye West at one point. And I, you say what you want to say about Kanye West, and I got a lot to say about him. Maybe we'll do that in another show. But he got hip to that shit at one point. She was kind of like trying to parade him around because if you think about it, Kanye West is a major, major Absolutely. pop figure, right? Absolutely. Especially with the younger generation of black His folks. star power is yes, it's, strong. It's, it cannot be denied, right? Mm -hmm. So she, I guess it was her intention that she was going to use him to be the, the figurehead of the Blexit movement and start attracting a younger generation of black voters or potential voters in the black and African-American community. But I'm, I'm going to give Kanye a little credit, you know, whether this is what he what happened or not. I think he got a little hit to the, the hustle mm -hmm. and realized, like, I'm not going to be your pawn here. Like, you're not going to use me like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. I can go anywhere I want and do my oh, own thing. Yeah. Right. I don't mm -hmm. need to be pimped that way. So yeah. he 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 got he got the <laughs> hell out of there, right? He got away from her and now she's stuck doing what she does. But that's even a legit blackface, right? Mm -hmm. So we're we're not even talking about a digital blackface that but a, a legit blackface that's being used by a power of bad actors, a, a, a agency, a corporation that's specifically designed to pump misinformation that they think may be accurate or it may, you know, some of it may be accurate or they put their own spin on it to, to favor their values and their ideology and ultimately look into um, influence and disinfluence, if that's a mm -hmm. word, I'm, I just made, if not, I just made it up. Disinfluence black people and people of color in, in order to coerce them into coming into a certain ideology to a certain political party that may not be to their benefit. And I think if you just made up that word disinfluence, that's the ultimate goal of these people is they want to diminish the influence of marginalized communities. They want to keep us in small numbers in there. Um, who's that lady that does all the, um, all the race exercises. She's she's got short white hair, glasses. Oh, the older lady. Jane Jane something. Is it and Jane Ad Adams? I think. I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. But I'm about. I'm gonna find out. But yeah, she does like these really um, just straightforward, you know, race based trainings where people just get in touch with their own racial biases and um i remember they spoke to her about you know why why racism and she was like because white people are scared they're scared they're 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 being outnumbered and they're scared they're losing their influence and so they've got to you know perpetuate lies um in order to make uh latinos and black people feel like you know, they've got to side with them. They've got to get, you know, and or like there's, you know, the government's against you. So you got to don't do this. Don't do that. No, you have to do that because that's what's going to get you the influence and the power because you got the numbers. 
you know? So anyway, quick, quick backstory on, I think it's, I think it's Jane Adams, if I'm not mistaken, but right, I'm going to look her up I, yeah. right now, <laughs> but, but quick backstory. She's, she's, she's actually a teacher. So well, she's retired now. She's, she, I believe she does more anti-racial workshops and things like that. But Jane Elliott, Jane Elliott. There you go. Jane Elliott. Uh, Jane Adams is someone else. I don't know. She's a, is. she's an yeah. American diversity educator. Yeah. So go. she was, she was a regular grade school teacher that ultimately turned into, you know, a, an educator, you know, covered white supremacy, you know, anti-racism and things like that. But her, her whole, her whole shocking moment, her jolting moment that really led her to this work was that she was completely traumatized by the assassin of Dr. Um, Dr. King. And we mm. just we just talked. I just wanted to bring that up because we just talked about it. Wow. She was horrified by by a lot of the country was at the time. She was horrified about it. And, you know, her thing was either, you know, I crawl up in this ball of depression and feeling sorry for myself and this, this and that. Or what am I going to do about it? And she came up with an experiment for her class and go on YouTube mm -hmm. and look at it because you can see the actual experiment she does back then. Then you mm -hmm. can see her doing it as part of her workshop today. And you can also see the students that she did it back then as grownups reflecting on what it meant. And it was called mm. the, the, the blue eyed, brown eyed experiment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where she, she had her, you know, and, mm -hmm. and her, her class was all white. So that's why she had, yeah. she decided to do that. And basically the people with the blue eyed were the dominant group that got all the favoritism and the privilege right. and the people that were brown eyes, they, they had to switch places. So blue eyed people had to pretend they were brown eyed and they were the marginalized group. And you can right. see how that it, it was. It was a great experiment. It would never fly into the yeah. society with, <laughs> with, with, the, with, the, with the, what's going on. Yeah, but, but she actually did it uh, when I saw it first. I think it was Oprah who had brought her to the show. And from the minute people arrived before the show, you started taping. They were already part of the experiment and they didn't know. They were like, you know, blondes, uh, brunettes, and then like the blondes got to come in and sit for, or, you know, I think it was like the other way around. All the brunettes got to come in and they had a whole layout for them and they had like snacks and whatever. And they and were the like, other, why can't you, we? And the others got to stand, you can't yeah. sit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a whole thing. And like people were crying out of frustration you know, because um, they didn't like the way they were being treated. And then that's where she dropped the bomb on them. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I love her. I always have, she actually reminds me of a professor I had in college, um, uh, multicultural studies, uh, you know, back in the nineties, when I was on that education track, it, 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 it was one of the courses, it wasn't a requirement, but I took it because, you know, so, that's just me right so what what do you have for me because i'm excited i know you got some stuff oh so you you actually left off um talking about um you know how they sold distrust uh covid19 awareness etc um i want to talk a little bit more about something that you said which is like how and actually i i i mentioned it too you know how they kind of spin information um and and how they really plan certain things and plant. Um, so I read uh, an article, and there were two ways specifically where it impacted the Latino community. Let me backtrack. I'm going to talk about how all this 
impacts the Latino community because it's happened amongst us too. Specifically, more recently, uh, when it comes to voter suppression and COVID-19 um, and, and the whole vaccination thing. So um, I read uh, a really quick poll that was done, um, a nationwide poll on COVID-19, no, sorry, on COVID vaccine. Um, and it was done by the, it came up as part of another article that I read, hold on, the Latino Anti-Disinformation Lab. This is a relatively new organization that came out of the um, push to have misinformation and disinformation studies take place because of how it impacts voter suppression. So they did a poll of about 2,000 voters nationwide. And of those 2,000, approximately 1,000 were Latino voters. Um, so when you look at the demographic of this country, approximately 18% of the population is Latino. However, that's according to the last census. Let us not forget that what we find a lot in the Latino community is undocumented people living in this country. And um, ever since I was uh, very, you know, I was very active on campus in my college days with the Latino students and, and, and you know, we had a close connection to what was happening with the community. We always knew that within the next five years, and I'm talking about 96, 97, 98, we always knew that come the new millennium, it was going to be hip to be Latino, you know? Everybody was going to keep their eye on the Latino population because within the next couple of census, censuses, we, it, like, it was going to be solidified that we were going to be the majority minority, right? Um, and I only use those words in terms of numbers, not description of what we are. Um, so the fact that this study, all that to say that, again, right now, we're 18% of the population. We know it's more than that because we know not everybody likes to take the census um, due to disinformation. But um, the fact that the study was just half Latino, um, I, I trust that these numbers um, are an accurate depiction of what's going on in the country with Latinos with regard to the COVID vaccine. So among the respondents who have said that they hadn't been vaccinated yet, some said that they didn't know if they were gonna be vaccinated. And then some said that um, they weren't going to get vaccinated at all. So 72% said that they knew someone in their household or community that absolutely was like dead set against taking the vaccine because they believed it would be harmful to them. 78% of the respondents overall that said that they weren't sure if they take the vaccine or were not going to take the vaccine, 78% were under the age of 50. So that statistic really got to me because that's us. Like we're relatively hip happening young on top of things. We got access to the internet. You know, we can go on, we can search. If we can TikTok a video, we can go and Google, we can read, we can pause, we can. So for 78% of the respondents that weren't sure to be under the age of 50 with access to all this information, just leads me to, anyway, um, 
they talk about education levels, which I always look at because I know it has an impact only because of how education is administered in this country. Sure. People are not the, the, the concept of logic, independent thought aren't even introduced until college. You know what I'm saying? Unless there was someone outside of the education system or unless you had a really good teacher in like grade school or high school, there isn't a lot of, but think outside or what else could that be? Our education system for the most part is read and regurgitate, read and regurgitate. We're going to show you this, take a test. You know it. Good. Next topic. And, and it's like, so um, I always look at education levels because like I, I, I kind of get why people are thinking the way they're thinking. 24% have a high school education or less. Only 14% were college educated. That doesn't mean that college educated individuals are more logical. I'm just putting that out there. All right, right. Um, then they talk about language, you know, um, 46% of them either speak English or Spanish. Now, one of the most common reasons that a respondent gave for not wanting to get vaccinated or being unsure about getting vaccinated is fear that the vaccine is not safe. And just bear with me while I'm throwing out these statistics because I'm getting to the point of the misinformation. 51% of the Latino respondents do not trust the vaccine offered to them will be safe. Among Latino respondents whose primary language at home is Spanish, 67% do not trust that the vaccine offered to them will be safe. So now that scares me because this is the same 67% that will walk into a clinic, need help, and probably will not get the extent of help that they need because of the language barrier. Um, the other most commonly selected reasons are fear that the vaccine offered to them will not be effective and not trusting the companies that manufacture the vaccine. And that was like in the 39 and 32% range. 60% of Latino respondents know someone in their household or community who is unwilling to take the vaccine because they believe it will be harmful to them. Now, here's where it gets into the misinformation. 37% of the respondents have seen material or information that makes them think that the vaccine is not very safe or effective. The main source of the information is Facebook. 49% say that is where they saw the material. Of course. The second most common was local news. <laughs> so that was the whole point of the study was to kind of see, you know, what where were people at in terms of, you know, why they weren't being, why they were choosing to not be vaccinated? And then what were they basing that decision on? And they randomly sampled a percentage that's almost double the, the population. So I think these numbers are, you know, pretty spot on. And for half of the people that don't want to get vaccinated, to be basing that decision on information that they got on Facebook. <laughs> Makes me wanna cry. 49% um, of the Latino respondents think COVID misinformation is a very serious problem. Another 29% think that it's a somewhat serious problem. 20% of the respondents have had wrong or harm harmful information about COVID vaccine shared directly with them on Facebook and messaging apps. So 
when I was looking through this, I was like, what's with the messaging apps thing? And I didn't get, I mean, I get that a lot of people use like, you know, messaging apps now. Um, and you have to understand that my experience in terms of, you know, a Latina from a country that, you know, is part of the U.S., like my experience is not the same as the rest of the Latinos in this country. You know, they're dealing with um, not having as much access to their homelands. And so messaging apps are a major way that they stay in touch Very with their families. Yeah, it big, is. Yeah. WhatsApp, especially. Um, I really didn't get that. I thought it was just like, oh, you know, I'm part of a big group. Like we can, you know, so that's my own. But like, again, in 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 looking at these statistics, I get that, you know, these these people from other countries are sharing information with people here. And, you know, this goes back to my context comment, you know, um, when I went to Florida, there's almost every restaurant is outdoors. It was easy for restaurants to very quickly throw their things outdoors and then they didn't have to shut down, you know? And, and that was something that I found, like I, I was relieved when I went to visit Florida in that sense, because I could go sit at a restaurant because it was outside. Um, and I hadn't been able to do that for a long time up here, you know, but it's just, there's different situations so that, you know, that's why also like, here we're more likely to walk around with our masks because I'm not going to be taking it out, put it off in the store, out on the street, in the building, out. You know, so here yeah. is more likely that you're just going to see a person walk around with their mask no matter where they're at. You know, we're not going to be taking them on and off. Whereas in a place like Florida, you're outside all the time. That doesn't excuse what Florida is doing either. But anyway, um, so 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 I read this poll. I saw these numbers about you know why. Um, the majority, well, I'm not going to say the majority, but why a large number of Latinos are choosing to not be vaccinated, how they're getting that information. Um, and so it kind of, no, it, it, it brings me to the next article I read, which was um, from Vote to Virus, misinformation campaign targets Latinos. They start talking about how campaigns were created, specifically walk away, um, which was a group promoted by a conservative activist, Brandon Straka, who was later arrested for participating in the deadly January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Apparently, he had this hashtag, walk away, to get people basically telling them, look, just, you know, don't, don't, don't vote Democrat because they're not going to do anything anyway, throwing the misinformation out there. But like Scott said before, they're not really telling them, come to the Republican Party because they don't want them there either. You know what I'm saying? That's just the bottom line. They don't want them there either. So, you know, but naturally the Latinos think that that means, okay, we'll vote for Trump. And that's what they ended up doing. So um, in the run up to the November election, um, that call was a broader, largely undetected movement to depress turnout. Um, and the way yes, they did that yes. was that they were telling people uh, that the ice was going to be at the, at the, 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 voting, at the voter booths, voting votes, right. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's also how they, um, that's also why we can't trust these numbers of the census. You know, the last census says that 18% of the U S population is Latino. We know it's more than that. Well, the reason why we can't quantify that is because the organizations like these bad actors um, are putting information out there that 
well, if you send in the census, they're going to be able to track this, this and that. And then they're going to go to your house and they're going to, you know, and when you take the census, there's none of that. There's none of that. There's no way that they could possibly. So, you know, it's it's um. but then that's why you also see like these flip movements happen, you know, like I mean, I remember they were they were paying people, Spanish speaking people to go out and 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 encourage people to participate in the census will help you fill out the form if you, even though the form is in Spanish, but you know, to help there's there's organizations like Voto Latino, you know, which are like always trying to um educate Latinos on, you know, what are the issues, what are the, you know, how to kind of look at um the platforms of the candidates. But um the way that they um did this uh in terms of trying to suppress having Latinos go to the polls. Um, they use videos and pictures that were doctored, quotes taken out of context, conspiracy theories they're fans, including that voting by mail was rigged, that the Black Lives Matter movement has ties to witchcraft, brujeria. Nobody loves as soon as I you say brujeria. Wow. Oh I, yeah, you don't know. I didn't know, no, I didn't know they, they tied BLM to that. I didn't know. Wow. Yeah. And that Biden was beholden to uh, a cabal of socialists, which we know for people from certain countries, that's a very hot, you know, it, it it's totally hijacked Cubans in Miami. Like they're just like, no, no Castro. And so they go with, um, with the Republican party, the most prominent narratives and those shared were either closely aligned with or completely repurposed from right wing media outlets said the report. Um, and so let me just kind of backtrack a little though. A lot of these um, things were coming from other countries. So like a lot of these doctored videos and pictures, it was like they were they were created here among the right wing, make their way into other Latino Spanish speaking countries and then find their way back. But now they're completely like, now they have that spin like, well, this is, this is going to happen to us. You know, this is about us and our community. No, it's not. It's about Mr. Brandon Straka, who's storming the Capitol, you know, um, in the name of whatever it is, his his freedoms. I kind of call it the wash and rinse. It goes through a wash and rinse cycle so that the right wing comes out. Well, that wasn't us. But at the very um, basis of these um you know, videos, pictures, memes is a very subliminal and insidious message um, that, you know, we're not hip to because that fast brain. Um, with the election behind them, the proponents of these campaigns are now trying to spread chaos more broadly, notably by trying to create doubt about vaccines. The push is especially dangerous because, and then again, this is where I get a little emotional, Latinos have a higher chance of being infected by, hospitalized, and dying of COVID-19 than do whites, African-Americans, or Asian-Americans. Mm. So what it, basically, the reason why I get teary-eyed is because it's working, is working. The misinformation that they're putting out there, Very the effective. trauma that they're pulling on, the yes. fear that they're putting you in, it's working. We are dying. Um. When I read this this statistic, I I I I spoke with a coworker. This week I went to the office for the first time since I got sick. 
she also got sick so it was like a reunion we were very happy to see each other she's filipina she's from jersey city we're the same age so it's like same demographic everything so just out of curiosity i asked her i said can i ask you a question um how do you see the filipino community responding to the vaccine do you feel like they don't want to get it you know if they don't want to get it what's the story behind it like what are they like gung-ho they don't and she was like oh no yeah she goes off all her family and friends she only had one friend that didn't want to get it and she ended up getting sick and as soon as she got better she went out and got the vaccine so she's like yeah. i currently do not know anybody and i was like you know, and I didn't dig my my next question for her, but we were at work, so we were busy. But my next question for her was, historically, is there anything that's ever happened among the Filipino community that 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 you could legitimately be like, OK, Tap I can into. see why we would be right. Yeah. You know, but but we didn't have that. And then she mentioned on her own, she said, especially amongst the elderly, she goes, all the seniors in the Filipino community want to get their vaccine. So I was like, okay, very again, interesting, very interesting. It is, yeah. it is. And 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 so again, I didn't get to dig deep with her, but you know, I was like, for the most part, do you think it's because people are trusting the science? She said, absolutely, we're following mm -hmm. the science. All of our conversations have to do with the science of it sure. and nothing else. So okay, so I just want to talk like there's um really this goes back to some of the memes we were talking about and some of the there was a video that appeared to have originated in Panama. Other ones from the Middle East that have been translated into Spanish. Um, these all kind of, you know, when they traced it back, it, it all made its way back to the US. One chain features a doctored video of a late Nobel Prize winning chemist, Carrie Mullis. She's purportedly dismissing Dr. Anthony Fauci the top U.S. infectious disease expert, as a phony who knows nothing about virology. Another video shows a crowded street that it claims is full of Italians flaunting social distancing and mask wearing rules over the hashtag in Spanish, yo no me vacuno, or I won't be vaccinated. The vaccine disinformation may revert to more election-related falsehoods as the 2022 midterm elections come more clearly into view. Voto Latino and um, one of the proponents in this article that I read um, have partnered with the liberal online watchdog group Media Matters for America, and they poured $22 million into the Latino anti-discrimination, uh, Latino anti-disinformation lab which is the organization that did the poll that I just um, broke down to you guys. So these people, you know, got some major funding um, that has helped to do some research, to do some digging so that we can know how to um, target disinformation in the Latino community because it's it's got a strong hold. And there's actually jokes about um certain things that i've seen online so for example all my life growing up they they always said that you couldn't go out at night because you get sereno and growing up as a kid i just thought sereno was like something in the air that would make you sick to this day i don't know what that means 
But, you know, disinformation and misinformation is something that's been with our ancestors have been doing that. It's left, it's left open to interpretation. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, um, or like there's actually some 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 videos. There's there's this chick that does videos, you know, funny videos or whatever. And 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 one of them specifically was like she just had a baby and like some of the things that her grandmother and her mother would say to her every time she would be, you know, like postpartum, like you can't wash your hair, you can't get out of bed for 40 days, like, oh, you know what I'm saying? It is like missing disinformation of the Latino community, ain't nothing new. Our grandmothers and, 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 and mothers have been doing that with us um, for years. But um, this, like, like, this is on a different level, obviously, you know, um, I'm gonna take a little break to let you kind of chime in or do you want me to keep going because i don't know i'm chiming in briefly because i'm 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 feeling i'm feeling that energy i just wanted to kind (laughs) of i wanted to kind of build on some of the things that you were talking about yeah and um when we're talking about specifically um latinos and spanish-speaking communities there's a general cultural incompetence because they're especially when it comes down to politics where they're viewed as this one big voting block not taking into account that there are many different cultures and nationalities and and people from different regions of the globe that are very different as far as their culture their beliefs um their ideologies and um, so it, it's 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 already at a disadvantage to just view the population as one big group, right? For instance, absolutely. For mm-hmm. instance, um, you talked about you know Cubans in Miami. First of all, we should acknowledge that those are anti-Castro Cubans. That there are some yes. pro-revolution <laughs> Cubans in Miami. Not many, or they, they, their voice might not be as, as loud. But talking about them, right? Back in the summer we had the hashtag SOS Cuba, right? Where it started floating around and it was basically, um, it went viral um, because there were images and some videos where there was, um, there was a, there were protests in Cuba. And um, why is that a big deal? Because that's something that doesn't happen, not anti-government um, protests that doesn't happen in Cuba. So, um, which was which was happening. What What wasn't happening was, it, the way it was being portrayed on mm-hmm. social media, the way the U.S. corporate control media picked it up and kind of blew it up to being more than it was. And the pro-revolution and the government's response was, of course, they, they did respond to it. And they, you know, there were people arrested, but there were reports of people being tortured and their fingernails being ripped out and their <laughs> eyes being removed. And this was all coming from Miami, right? Or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe Union City and North Berlin, <laughs> right? But, <laughs> but there, um, there, there's a lot in Union County now, also. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they keep so, moving well. West. So, um, what what they found out was that that hashtag actually originated in Spain. If I'm not mistaken. And it was by a, a right wing, I'm going to say bad actor, influencer um, that's known to do what he does. And mm-hmm. what they noticed was that the retweets of the hashtag SOS Gura was happening 
at such a fast rate that wasn't humanly possible, right? And it was a lot of bot accounts that mm. you know that really caused it to take off and go viral. Because this is this is this is really sophisticated work we're talking about. We're not just talking yes. about some people that are talking yes. shit and lying. I know. I we're know. talking about really it's sophisticated, a organized machines, right? To the point where, um, and the pur the purpose of that was to you know, to ultimately get um, the Cuban people on the island, not Miami, but on the island to start to be more influenced by this and mm -hmm. start taking a more anti-government anti stance or causing that group that did, that were out protesting to grow, to ultimately get to the point where they're going to have an anti-revolution revolution whatever mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so and then of course miami was just you know in sync with it you know they jumped on it and their now their protests were legit right that's you know anti-castro mm -hmm. protest that's that's tradition in miami that's you know right. we know about that um but to take that cultural trauma right yeah even for the anti-castro cubans right yeah who that most of them are going about their day-to-day -day lives, right? They're not plotting to go back and overthrow the Cuban government, right? Yeah. Like they've moved on. It's a lot different than it was in the 90s and maybe the 70s, you know? A lot of them have moved on. And sure, they have anti-Castro groups or whatever, of course, you know, they or, or anti-revolution groups, but um, they've moved on. But then when that something like that happens, it taps into that trauma that maybe they didn't experience, but Mm -hmm. their parents, their grandparents experience and whatever the reason why they had to, they were exiled or they left the island, they had to flee the island, whatever. That's trauma that's being tapped into, right? So um, that's just a, just a, a big example. Um, but then to expand it a little further, there are other Spanish speaking populations coming from different countries. That's um, Venezuela, for instance, also, um, I think uh, from my understanding is a, is a growing community in Florida, right? And when they're coming here, a lot of them are fleeing what they believe to be a dictatorship, right? Where one person or one person is ruling, you know, and, and the people are suffering and they're enriching themselves or whatever, and they, they, they link it to socialism, whatever, without understanding coming from another country that does, may not have the the wide variety of media access and resources that we have mm -hmm. to understand that a lot of the reasons why the country may be suffering and there may be shortages of food and medical supplies is because your, your country or your region is heavily sanctioned by the United States empire, right? Talking about Cuba as well. So coming over here, coming to Florida as, as refugees, as exiles or whatever, and the, the people that are there to greet them are the same people or the same type of people that are pumping these inf this information in them because they know that those people will be potentially become US citizens, they'll be able to vote and they'll be able to vote, you know, and you know, anti-communist, anti-socialist, anti, you know, revolution or whatever, and, and, and within consistent with the right wing values of right, right. this country and all around the world. So that that's how it, it's very effective because it tops in, you know, that's tapping into their trauma as well. So I, I wanted to, I wanted to just bring up those things from what I know 
as mm-hmm. far as what's going on in, you know, how misinformation, disinformation is being used in the, in the Latino community and with Spanish speaking groups in general. Right. Um, so, so far I talked about, you know, I went over the poll that talks about Latino sentiment um, amongst those that are choosing to not be vaccinated. We talked a little bit about some historic voter suppression um, tactics that were basically done via missing disinformation. So um, I talked about voter suppression. I talked about COVID-19 um, and Latinos that choose not to be vaccinated. Um, and one of the things that came up was, especially in the poll, how Facebook was where the majority of this information was being obtained. Um, We also know that Facebook has um, gotten a lot of pressure in terms of, you know, putting things into place to do fact checking. Um, And so this article from Vote to Virus, no, sorry, what Facebook knew about its Latino aimed disinformation problem. It's an article that was in the LA Times. um, And basically what it's saying is that Facebook understands that its AI, its consultants, all of the, you know, bells and whistles that they've built in to do fact checking, to um, minimize mis and disinformation um, among the Latino community, um, you know, within Spanish language material, to this day does not work. And um, I think it does have a lot to do with what you just said, that they try to lump us all into one, you know, category. Um, And we just, it doesn't work. You know, if you cannot put on at least 22 different sets of filters, when you're thinking about the Latino community, you're not going to successfully be able to uh, define us, identify us, relate to us, because that's how many Spanish-speaking countries there are in the Caribbean anyway. Um, you know, Spain is a European country. They speak Spanish, and that's a whole, uh, like, just a whole other lifestyle. And and anyway, so, and I'm going to get into kind of a funny story uh, while I'm reading through this, but sometimes uh, the misinformation mirrored what the rest of the country was seeing. Um, and this is in reference to like a lot of the information that Facebook was pulling off of or should have been pulling off of. Um, it was fear mongering about mail-in ballots, uh, Antifa vigilantes or conspiracy theories about the deep state and COVID-19. Other times it leaned into more Latino specific concerns, such as uh, comparing candidate Joe Biden to Latin American dictators or claiming that Black Lives Matter activists are using brujeria. There it goes again. So, you know, um, and, and, and so, you know, again, uh, brujeria is witchcraft. The same sort of themes that were showing up in English were also showing up in Spanish, but in English, they were getting flagged or taken down altogether. And in Spanish, they were being left up. Or if they were taken down, it was taking days and days to take them down. So again, you know, like, and then it goes on to say, like, like, like they would meet with Facebook and Facebook would just give them a whole bunch of like 
you know, so, so she says, we had a lot of specific questions and they just completely failed to answer. For instance, we asked them, who's in charge of ensuring the integrity of content moderation in Spanish? They would not tell us the answer to that. Or even if that person existed, we asked how many content moderators do they have in Spanish? They refused to answer that question. How many people that moderate content in Spanish are based in the U.S.? No answer. In the days leading up to the election, there were about 20 other advocacy groups, um, you know, Latino-centric, that sent a combined letter to Zuckerberg criticizing his company's inaction and enablement of the targeting, manipulation, and disenfranchisement of Latino users during the election, despite repeated efforts by the signatories to alert him of their concerns. The next month, another internal report warned that Facebook had no policies to protect against targeted suppression. So, so for example, memes that said that ICE would be at the polls, um, alluding to concerns that Latino voters would be dissuaded from showing up to the vote if they were told falsely that immigration authorities would be present at polling sites. The report color-coded that concern bright red, high risk, low readiness on behalf of Facebook um, to tackle that. By election day, the company reported having removed more than 265,000 Facebook and Instagram posts, which violated its voter interference policies and added warning labels to more than 180 million instances of fact-checked information. This is how they're coming at, we are under attack. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. the Latino community, but that's because we are the second largest um, group in this country. And our number says 18%. Not, that's not by accident. So um, there's just a lot more here that the one piece in particular that I actually experienced years ago on radio, uh, where they say that, um, you know, because we all know this is AI, there's some consultants, they're live, but we don't really know how Facebook does this. I was in college and I used to babysit for one of my sorority sisters. And my brother-in-law, this is now my brother-in-law, uh, we went to college together. Um, I believe we were hanging out together and we were listening to a Spanish radio show that's very popular, La Mega. You know, they have their morning show, then they would also have a show like around rush hour, you know, while people were going home, there wasn't a whole lot of music. It was more talk, a lot of jokes, you know, it, yeah. I used to listen to it all the time because it was funny. So I'm babysitting. He was there. We were hanging out. I think I was making dinner or whatever, you know, waiting for my sorority sister to get home. And I'm listening to the show with him. They had a guy call in and they started a conversation with him. And again, they're joking, this and that. And the guy starts talking about how he, you know, loves to smoke weed. And he just started. And now we start cracking up because we're like, and, and so first of all, my brother-in-law is not Spanish speaking. My brother-in-law is Italian. So I'm, so I'm cracking up. He's like, okay, you got to explain to me what's going on. So I'm basically like translating for him real time. And he's like, Michelle, how are they talking about this on live radio? And I'm like, because it's in Spanish and the FAA can't keep up. <laughs> That's just, and to this day, we still joke about it. But like, 
I, 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 this is, this is nothing new in the Latino community. There is a lot of stuff that we get away with because y'all can't keep up. But at the same time, that's a very powerful position to be in. That's, and that's exactly point. why they throw all these stories at us. Oh, remember this, remember that. The last thing I'm going to bring up, well, actually, did you want me to get into the Puerto Rico article? Because that's a very powerful, like, I'm going to, okay, so, so we've established, we've established voter suppression, COVID vaccine, you know, those are the two areas where they just have their knee on our necks, proverbially, okay, because we are dying in record numbers of, 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 of COVID because we won't get vaccinated. Um, Interestingly enough, though, on the island of Puerto Rico, they've managed to have well over half of the population vaccinated. And so, yeah, yeah. So there's an article. um, Is this in the Times? Um, How Puerto Rico achieved the highest vaccination rate in the U.S. without a political fight. And it's real simple. They didn't politicize it. It wasn't a political thing at all. A bunch of scientists got together. They said, this is what we have to do. The governor made it happen. And it happened. And that was it. It's interesting, though. So um, one of the key targets of the scientific coalition was to head off misinformation about COVID-19 before it took hold in Puerto Rico. In the mainland U.S., Vaccine misinformation targeted the Latino and Spanish-speaking communities had contributed to low vaccination rates. In Puerto Rico, the job is not done. There's still about 25% or so of the population that is not vaccinated. And this is mostly because they're either in hard-to-reach areas. Um, There are still hard-to-reach areas in Puerto Rico. Some are elderly and isolated, so they don't have anyone to get them back and forth. And honestly, um, I'm not, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of need in Puerto Rico in terms of like, they don't have like senior services or whatever. And, and if they do have them, they're in the more populated metro area, you know. Not, not um, to forget that, you know, that there's large portions of the island that are still ravaged from the effects of Hurricane Oh, Maria. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah. And then, um, then there's some that have hardened ideas against vaccines and Washington's meddling in the past. And I'm just gonna briefly explain explain what those two are specifically. Um, so one is La Operacion. And, and, and there's, there's a, a documentary called La Operacion. I've never seen it, but I've heard about it. Or actually I may have seen it in college. Um, and so the film details the origin and subsequent expansion of US involvement in Puerto Rico. Um, citing that the island was overpopulated, the U.S. implemented many strategies to try and remedy the problem, all of which are showcased in this documentary. It's called La Operacion, or The Operation. So there were, there were different ways that the U.S. meddled. One of them was just getting people to you know, leave the island, right? Um, and then one was family planning. And so what they did was that they would, it was supposed to be where they, encouraged women to you know have their tubes tied but the conversations were more like you got to do it 
And, you know, there was a level of trust there. There was a lot going on, you know? Um, and so, yes, a lot of women submitted to it um, and unknowingly that this was irreversible. Um, the other incident was the Puerto Rico pill trials. So when the pill was first invented, it was tested on women in Puerto Rico. And it was tested in, you know, like doses that just were not good for humans. Um, and so there was a lot, but it, these, these two incidents, um, uh, I think La Operación started like in the 30s and 40s. And then the pill trials was more like 50s and 60s. But the pill trials only happened because the U.S. government was like in this space already where we have to control the population on the islands, you know, and so they allowed yeah. for the pill trials. And then that was just that was just that was an abuse of, you know, big pharma um, and science. Um, oh, right. Right. So, again, these two things did happen in Puerto Rico. They were very isolated events. We know now that there is no way patient bill of rights, informed consent, that any of this can ever happen again. Um, and so there was just so much information that I got from these articles and how um, mis and disinformation. The last thing I will say was with that whole Facebook thing, um, if I'm not mistaken, the National Council of La Raza, which now has a new name, they're called Unidos US. Um, they actually cut ties with Facebook because of, and, 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 and so this includes returning a grant that they got from Facebook for the work that they do. They are um, a Latino rights and advocacy group. And I mean, I've known about National Council of La Raza. I didn't know that they changed their name until I read this article, but I've known about National Council of La Raza since I was, you know, such a little rebel back in college um, and for them to cut ties with Facebook and return a grant that was given to them by Facebook because Facebook specifically cannot address the issues of the missing disinformation targeting the Latino community. That for me says it all. Facebook needs to do more. We need to do more to be discerning, you know, and at this point, I'll just take it upon myself really quickly, and then I'm going to throw it back to you to kind of share how I do it, you know? Um, and actually, I know we're going to get into that, but, like, for me, it's so easy on Facebook. If a picture looks fake, it probably is, people. Like, that's just the bottom line. If the headline is really fascinating, then you're probably right. It's really fascinating, and it's not true. But anyway, again, it's those triggers. I'm going to kick it back to you because I'm going to keep going off. You got me in my feelings with this Puerto Rico talk. Listen, but, that's but why at we the need end of the day, the last thing I do want to say is that I loved how in Puerto Rico, it was a group of scientists. It was a team of scientists that got together and spearheaded the whole thing. And then they went to the government and the government was like, that's what you need. And that's what we're going to do. You know, and when I went to the island recently, it was none of the Puerto Ricans that were not wearing masks. It was none of the Puerto Ricans that had a problem with showing their vaccine card or doing anything. It was everybody else that had that problem, you know? So that's what I got. You got you, you, <laughs> that was a lot. It was a lot. I'm, it was I'm a lot. Very, it was very, a lot because I'm very thoroughly satisfied. We're with, very with what you, targeted as yeah. a community. And, you know, we, we, it's so easy to like, read something and be like oh yeah we really have to consider this 
but context, my people, context. Yeah. Are these, am I proud that this happened in Puerto Rico? No, I'm not. It's something I'm very aware of that happened, you know, but like we got to move on and we have to be in context. Um, you know, we're not talking about just a germ on the island. This is global. So, yeah. And, you know, just, just, you know, in response to all the great and detailed information that you just presented was a reason why that I've been talking to you about this subject for a couple of years now, because I know, I know you, and I, especially if you knew how it be, you know, that how Latino communities, especially Puerto Ricans are being targeted by this disinformation. I knew once you took a deeper dive in it, that there were going to be emotions behind it. And I know yeah. that you were going to go in and I trust that this is not the last I'm going to hear from you <laughs> on, oh, these, no. on these issues, yeah. you know. I just want to also mention, you know, not too long ago, I was looking at a map because there was a surge with Omicron, right? And so I was looking at a map of what's going on with the country in terms of COVID. And it included Puerto Rico. And I took a video of it and I posted it on Facebook <laughs> and it got me attacked for being a misinformer or a disinformer. I was being accused of being a bad actor. Is, so, is that by the algorithm or by, by your people on your on Yeah, your yeah. So, yeah, let me. Oh. So, so I just went and I hovered real quick and I showed what I was looking at. The entire island of Puerto Rico was like blood red. Not even fire engine red. There it was that like red again. Burgundy. <laughs> and and fire, fire. yeah, yeah. And then like <laughs> I went up where so that people could see what they were looking at, right? Then I just talk about how I saw a map. It had all these colors. I didn't know what the colors meant. I showed the map. I showed what the colors meant. And you know, I said, like, it's bad. It's bad in Puerto Rico right now. And it makes me want to cry because. I understand the impact this could potentially have on the hospital systems, which are already so very fragile on the island. Right, right. And so that's what I said. And maybe I could have put a little more in my caption. I don't know. But I was accused of, well, that's not what's happening on the island. Um, okay, so these are numbers that get reported on a regular basis. I work in the medical field. It's not really, I'm not a clinical, I'm not frontline, I'm more statistics, admin type stuff, but I see numbers, <laughs> you know? I know who these numbers have to be reported to. Mm -hmm. My concern is actually that they're being underreported. Yeah. You know? Um, so they're like, oh, it's not that bad. Okay, so are you telling me that? Because what we were looking at was active no, or, or uh, reported numbers of positive cases on a daily basis. That's what was being reported. But that's not what's happening. Well, how do you know that people aren't testing positive? We all already know that you can be completely asymptomatic and be positive. So how do you know that what I'm showing you is not the truth based on what I'm hearing in the news, what I'm reading, what I myself am experiencing since 85% of my family had it all at the same time. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, 
it seems pretty spot on to me. And then, you know, then what, like this person just, first of all, they didn't understand what I was sharing with them. They didn't take the time to say, okay, this is the number of positive cases. And then listen to what I had said. I understand the impact this could have on them. Because they were in fast brain. Yes, they they were. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. And I also suspect that they are um, anti-vax. And, you know, so I was just like, no, no, I'm also not going to allow my like if I'm going to put information out there, I'm going to put the I'm going to put the truth in your face and you don't like it because, you know, that you could potentially be contributing to these numbers. You know what I'm saying? And you're doing nothing about it. So then, you know, but I just, there are some times where when you try to um, untangle the facts for people from the stories that make them missing this information, you come out to be the bad guy. But that's why we do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Shut up. How I'm not looking to necessarily, I don't need to be a good guy. You know what I'm saying? I'll be the bad guy if it if it's going to make some type of dent into what we, uh, to, in, a dent into this machine, because we're dealing with a machine mm-hmm. practically of mm-hmm. when it comes to this disinformation. And as far as how, like, being res- responding to people that combating what we're offering, you know, here you are, you have a, you have a post that it, it's not just a screenshot of some simple jargon or whatever, like you're breaking down stuff and mm-hmm. you have your sources there or whatever. And so not only do you have someone that's in fast brain that just quickly scanned it and is reacting to whatever they're reacting to, whatever it is that's triggering them. And then, you know, like you did, and like I often do, I'll be like, okay, I hear what you're saying. Where are you getting it from? And that's what I asked. Yeah, and that's where, what I asked. I was show like, me what? because mm-hmm. I don't and because if there's if there's a chance that some of my information may be off, whether it's slightly off or way off, I want to know. I yeah. want to know. I, I yeah. got no problem saying, wow, I just learned something from right. what you just sent right. me. You know? But now the way this person responded when I asked with, well, how do you know? Because he was like, oh, you're wrong or whatever he said. And I was like, well, how do you know? And then from there, it went into just really it went down high. There. I'm back yeah. in second grade. Well, yeah. I know you are, but what am I? And then right there, I knew that I was not dealing with a person who is in their pause, much less just because, like, come on, who does that word? Don't. Like, right. he just started to get into, like, this personal attack. And I was like, yeah. Mm, yeah, well, I'm not well, doing that. I mean, that that's the defense mechanism kicking in to where there's a void of valid information and sources, yes. right? Yes. Because mm-hmm. they have not you you asked him like where where do you where are you getting that from? Right. And when you have no answer, right? And when you're not immediately able to refer to a source, a site, an mm-hmm. article, or whatever then the immediate the immediate reaction is to start becoming hostile. So right? his actually what he said was because he lives over there. So he was like, that's not what's going on over here. And I was like, oh, OK, well, how do you know? Like, are you 
are are you the person in Puerto Rico that sends these numbers in? Like, is that how you know? Because if that's the case, then you sent in the wrong numbers because that's what I'm saying. You know, like right. I was just really trying to get to, you know, like, is it because you wake up, you open your eyes and you don't see all the red dots that you don't like? It was just so. Oh, yeah. And, anyway. And the general response is not. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, like, it OK, so ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Once it got into the personal attacks, I already knew that this was something you already, different. You already, he was already dismantled. Like, it was yeah. Done. Yeah. You know, I was I, like, I this that. is something different going on here. And. I'm not interested. Well, so yeah. just to touch on a few more things before we move on to possible solutions on how to combat um, cultural uh, disinformation, um, something that I, I, did, I wanted to touch on before was an article, I believe it was ABC News, um, that was um, highlighting how um, members of the Black community, particularly the Somalian community, how anti-vaxxers were, or the anti-vax movement were targeting them with um, with disinformation mm -hmm. um, to to influence them, and um, because let's be clear, um, anti-vax movements have been around for generations, right, for centuries even, and um, so they they broke down how you know um, how they were targeting and how they were looking for recruits legit black faces for their movement to be able to reach black and brown communities and they try to um they try to recruit a woman named harriet washington and she is an author of a book called i happen to have it right here medical apartheid right mm -hmm. The book is about the dark history of medical experimentation on Black Americans from colonial times to the present. So this woman is very well aware of the trauma mm. that the um, Black and African-American folks have experienced. Yes. Um, and she was also able to spot the bullshit when they were trying to use stuff that she's extensively researched I to, coerce her, to coerce her, right? So, uh, cause they were trying to get her to speak at events and go to conventions and all the, you know, everything that they do as part of the movement. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm mentioning this article, not for that simple, amazing fact right there, but I want to highlight that this article was written in 2019, pre-COVID. We weren't mm -hmm. when this article was written, we weren't even thinking about COVID. I, I think right, right. I think when they were referring to the Somalian community, I, I think it might have been referring to measles or something. I'm not sure what it was. It wasn't nothing at a pandemic level, but or, or certain populations that were vulnerable because mm -hmm. they didn't, you know, they because of their own reasons, their own trauma, and they weren't they were skeptical of um vaccinations. But to go a little further on anti-vax and talking about marginalized groups because it's not limited to people of color and it's not only people of color that have experienced trauma throughout history that could be tapped into and can make them vulnerable to disinformation so i don't know if you've noticed but i'm sure you've noticed because like it's so obvious that this whole anti-mask and anti-vaccination stance and movement there's a overuse and misuse of references to Nazis and Nazi Germany 
um, which is definitely um, a, a, a trigger. It definitely triggers emotions. It triggers, it triggers trauma. Obviously, um, they, they weaponize the Holocaust. They're comparing vaccine mandates and mask mandates to what happened in Nazi Germany. Now, to tap into, first of all, we're going to acknowledge that part of the era, um, the Nazi Germany era, um, there was medical experimentation taking place mm-hmm. on on people, on women, on on Jewish people, on Jews. Exactly, you know that that's undeniable. But to be able to take that fact and then tie it into something that's not true, and um, first of all, it, it's amazing to me. Tell me if you saw this. I think it was in 2020 when they really started going heavy on this whole um, referencing um, or this equivalence. To, to Nazis and Nazi Germany. There was a couple that went into a, a Walmart that had an anti-mask policy in place, right? Like it's, it wasn't a choice, like especially back then, 2020. It wasn't a choice. So there was a couple that had Nazi flags as masks, right? To kind of make a statement, you know, like, first of all, like we are equivalizing this, this policy in Walmart to be that of Nazi Germany, right? Second of all, excuse me, you just happen to have Nazi flags on hand? Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, you just happen to have that, like to to use as a prop to make your point. Like who, you know, how many of us have Nazi flags like in arm's length, you know? So I thought that was interesting. And even if you went and ordered them, like that to to go that length where you're going to order Nazi flags, Yep. to make your statement. But I wanted to um I wanted to highlight an article in Jacobin magazine that was very interesting to me. Um this was back in I believe it's September of 2021 this article was put out. And um they were talking about the the actual Nazi vaccine policy, right? So they highlight that there was a there was a vaccine mandate so to speak in Germany prior to the Nazis taking power. It was in place. And they talked about the Nazi vaccine policy that would re- that relaxed the requirements <laughs> of, you know, right? So that flies in the face of this nonsense that, that's being presented. First of all, and let me- and I, and I'm sorry, I this is, but the thing is that if people would do everything that we're saying, right? Like just, right. this is what so you're going to find. We're acknowledging, Ain't yes. that's smart. Yeah, we're acknowledging, <laughs> yes, there were atrocities committed by the Nazi, um, the Nazis, as far as, you know, medical experimentation on people that led to a lot of death, particularly, like I said, Jewish people, mental health, people with mental health conditions. That's the one area of history. That's the one time period in history that has always duly fascinated and broken my heart all at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and maybe the reason why I'm fascinated by it is because I can't believe that something like that took place. Right. We're definitely going to talk about that because oh yeah, there's much. I have a friend. That's another podcast because I have a friend whose brother lives out there, and she's the one who told me that 
in Germany, you talk about the Holocaust and these people are like, they're like, oh my God, like they see it as a period in their history that they are so ashamed of. Yeah. Their kids learn about it. They so when do. we talk about CRT, Right. We're going yeah, okay. to go get into that, definitely, mm -hmm. especially with CRT. Mm -hmm. But what's go also ahead. interesting in Germany now, that there is a neo-Nazi movement in Germany okay. and in a lot of parts of the, the world in Europe. Mm -hmm. And the neo-Nazi movement are also attached to the anti-vax movement in Germany. So, you, you know, here we have the um, people in this country that are referring to vaccine mandates as you know, not Nazi-ish, let's say, right, as a, as, a, as a form of Nazism. And then again, you have legit Nazis in Germany and in around Europe right now that are part of the anti-vax movement, right? So like, wh which is it? Like, come on, make up your mind. But to go further into the Nazi, the Nazi vaccine policy that, um, they, that um, was put in place when the Nazis took over in um, Germany, um, they, they point out in the article in the Jacobin magazine that the vaccine mandates were not consistent with the Nazi genocidal goals, right? If you had mandates to save people's lives, why would they want that all across the board, you know, in, in Nazi Germany when they, when they specifically recognized certain groups as undesirable and um, inferior? You know, mm -hmm. why, why would we want to save them if the mm -hmm. goal is to get rid of them, right? right. Makes perfect sense to me anyway, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, so they, there's a quote from the article and it says, withholding um, compulsory vaccination and other German public health innovations would help kill more of the undesirables and inferior people who they wanted to get rid of from the world. Mm -hmm. Now, now, just think about today in a, a so-called civilized society that we have now, right? Compared to um, Nazi Germany and World War II times, right. um, where to come out and say that we don't want certain groups to have vaccinations and, and access to life-saving science um, because we feel that they're undesirable and inferior, that's 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 a problem in today's day and age, right? Mm -hmm. Not saying that that's not what people think or whatever. That's but to verbalize, they can't say it. yeah, that that that's you know they that's can't out say of the question. It. They can, but they won't. They, yeah, right. They won't because they won't do much for their cause. You know, exactly if they to come out. But imagine if instead of having to say it, we can pump people with misinformation and disinformation mm -hmm. to a point where they voluntarily. Yes. Withhold the life-saving science from themselves. Exactly. The freedom Brilliant. to choose. Right. The freedom your to death. choose. Remember what they did to you in Tuskegee. <laughs> yes. Right. Re yes. Remember the sterilization yes. of the Puerto Rican women. Right? Yes. And then next thing you know, you got large amounts of people in marginalized groups that are responding to that and saying, no, I'm not going to take that because I know it's going to be bad for me. And how do I know it? Because there's a history of, of medical experimentation that's been detrimental to my people, right? And uh -huh. they voluntarily withhold and deny themselves the, the life-saving Let's not even talk about how all these bad actors are probably vaccinated. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just to, to keep it to keep it 100. Right. Yeah. All, all anti-vaxxers are vaccinated. Yeah. You know, no, I'm saying like there's plenty of them that are vaccinated. Yeah. Right. Candace Owens is, is said to be one of them. Like, she, yeah, she's an anti-vaxxer. He won't admit it. But yeah, because I mean, it's that's not, you know, that's not a risk- good look. All your money and yeah. your and your and your Trump, job Trump is, and Trump everything is openly, yeah, admittedly yeah. pro-vax. That's called yeah. the whole. He invented them. Yeah, it's, he that's invented his work. the vaccine. Why would, why would he? Yeah. if it wasn't for him, there, but I, I wouldn't think, be alive. Right I just now, think yeah. it's, it's interesting, um, and and just to get people just to pause and think about if there was a possibility that this is being done by design in order to kill yourself off, right? Mm-hmm. To get rid of you, get, cause we already know, you already went through the stats on the, you know, the impact of COVID with the Latino community and the, the, the black African American community, which are mm-hmm. at dis, disproportionate rates compared yeah. to the dominant group, right? Yeah. So- And we even have a little you know, glimpse into what's happening with the Filipino community. Right. We know that, and and they're on the low end of those numbers. So, yeah. It, especially at a time where the demographics are changing. What, it's a perfect yeah. time. Oh, a perfect time to get yeah. you to off yourself. Yeah. According to confusion and misinformation that you've yeah. consumed in a lot of these um social media outlets, mainly Facebook. Facebook is a fucking cesspool. And I always say that. And the only reason why some of you may see me on Facebook right now is because of this podcast. Because I usually deactivate my shit. And you might not, you'll see me pop up in like a year or so. And then I deactivate it again after like a week or two. But the only reason why, because the podcast is doing very well on our podcast (laughs) page, you know, but I try to keep my my engagement with Facebook limited because it's it's still a cesspool. And it's, and briefly before we get to to possible solutions, um, I just want to mention that yeah, Facebook they could definitely do more, and they know they could do more. And it's just a question of a matter of profit. Like, what is is it mm-hmm. going to be profitable to do more? Yeah, you know that's the main thing because this is it all comes down to the capitalism. Yeah, right. Absolutely, it's all, it's all about profit over people. So. You know, they they definitely going to respond to what's more profitable. But you and you said it. We have the responsibility. That's why we're yes. talking about this right now. That's why yeah. we're constantly yeah. bringing it up and attaching it to other topics in our shows, because we have to do something. We mm-hmm. just can't be we just can't be irresponsible media consumers that doesn't click on the article, that doesn't read the article, that claims to that they don't have time, but they'll spend the rest of their day scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, you know, but you don't have time. You know, everybody has time to pause. Everybody could take 15 minutes out a day to learn something that they didn't know, to click on something or follow a source or reach out to somebody and say, hey, I'm looking for some information on this. And I know that you, you know, you've you've been talking about it and you're somewhat familiar help me out with that i mean come on like you know because the you know the, the when you think about it the, these strategies this misinformation disinformation strategies are very very it, it, it's laziness that's attached to it it's laziest and it's cost effective that's what so my, they count on they yeah. count on you being lazy they yes. count on you not doing your homework that's how what they do works, you know. And again, let's not let's not get it twisted, people. This has always existed. 
This has always existed. But what Scott said in the beginning was that because the speed of the information and how it's getting out there puts more onus on us to really have to weed out. And I'll be honest with you, I'm with him, but for different reasons. I find it overwhelming to go on Facebook and and social media and just absorb all this information because my brain knows that I, well, now it knows that I need to pick and choose what am I focusing on? What am I not? Because I am just not spending valuable energy on something that's not true. That's, you how, know I, that's how I got into so much reading because reading mm-hmm. take, replaces wasted social media time, right? Because mm-hmm. it's very easy for hours to go by without you even realizing yep. that you've just been looking at that phone and scrolling and scrolling and, and, and reading, right? Because that's what yeah. we're you know, I mean, we're looking at pictures, but we're reading captions, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. the fast brain is going when mm-hmm. I could just be reading shit, mm-hmm. you know, and tuning out from those distractions and that that nonsense. So how do we arm ourselves? What do we do? Because we're not just going to say this is what it is and it's horrible and not try to offer, offer some, a solution, some possible yeah. solution. So what you and I are going to finish up with, we're going to review um, the crap. We're going to give you some crap. <laughs> and we'll, Is we'll... this crap? Yeah. That's the, yeah. Like, so when you see information, you're going to ask yourself, is this crap? And right. what does crap stand for? Right. So first let's, let's spell it out. It's, it's called um, the crap method and it's C-R-A-A-P for crap. And what that is, is um, it's a tool to evaluate information. Just as simple as that. It's, 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 not gonna, it's not super complicated. It doesn't take high education levels and, you know, extensive levels of intelligence. But it's broken down and crap stands for currency, relevance, authority, accuracy, and purpose. So I'll take the first one and we'll break it down. So currency, um, according to the, the crap method, is when was the information created? How old is it? Is it too, I mean, how old is too old? Does the currency of the information matter? Has the material been updated or revised? Um, So some examples they give is an article on cancer treatments written in 1970, historical analysis of the Revolutionary War written in 1982, a book on computer programming written in 1995. What I can say about this part is um, it's, this is very important because you can take old, accurate news and present it in today's day and age, which will have no bearing and be completely mis. It could be complete right. misinformation according yeah. to how something was 25 years ago or last century, like we were talking about with Nazi Germany. You want to take the next one? I, I don't think we're looking at the same thing. So go ahead. I'll let you do the rundown. Okay. So um, yeah. the next one is relevance, R for relevance. Is the information related to your research? Does the, does the information support your assignment? Do you look at only one source? Who is this written for? Um, and some examples, um, popular magazine article, um, the first five results in a Google search. We talked about this a while mm-hmm. back. Yes, we, we talked did. about that. Is, is your is your research limited to the first five ads that pop up on your Google search? 
because they're ads. We talked about this, this is right. ads. Yeah. They're paid mm-hmm. to be on the top five. I dare results. you to Google something, scroll all the way down to where it shows you the 5 million pages of results that you got. Click on the one that takes you to the, because I think it shows you six pages at a time, six or seven pages. Mm-hmm. Go to the next six or seven set. Click on one of those pages. Yeah. Go to one of those sources and or, see or start <laughs> page five and move move backwards to, right. the, to the front. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like that's what I'm saying. Like go deep. Yeah. Go Be- deep into the research because I'm telling you, you get a lot of results depending. Or on for people that just don't have the time. Yeah. To do yeah. All because that, yeah. You can look at the first five sources and see that there's a little character next to each one of them that says. <laughs> I dare you right now. If you listen to this right now, do a Google search and look anything on anything. On anything. On anything. Look, Google search di- disinformation, cultural disinformation, <laughs> right? So the next one is authority. Who or what created the information? Who or what is publishing the information? What credentials, education, affiliations, or experience does the information creator have to write on a topic? Can you find information about the author easily? What can we tell from the domain of the website where the information has been published? You talked about this a while back, about being able to click on the author and get a bio, um, not only about the, the credentials and education of the author, but being able to see other work, other right. writing that they've done. Um, the domain of the website, uh, this perfect example yesterday, on our Facebook uh, WWIU page, mm-hmm. so I commented on an article about um, anti-vaxxers and mm-hmm. unvaccinated, which I believe to be not the same thing, right? Yes. And someone responded to me that has some irrelevant nonsense. I, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. a big deal, but I, I went onto their page because that's what I do, see, you know, what they're working mm-hmm. with, where they're at. And they had a, a, a post, um, it was about, uh, oh, it was about Rittenhouse, matter of fact. And the post was talking about one of the people that he killed. And the post was a screenshot of supposedly that person's criminal record. So there's a screenshot in uh, Wisconsin, I believe. And there's a, there's a bunch of charges and dates or whatever. Naturally, we can't click on it because it's a screenshot. But the person didn't crop out the, the the address, the URL from where they got that screenshot. And it wasn't from, you know, it wasn't from ProPublica. It wasn't from CNN or whatever. It was from a, a blog belonging to a militia group. Mm. So is that a trustworthy source? When I mean, I, I get it that, you know, it, it feels good to associate yourself with people that share your values and your thoughts or whatever people find comfort in the echo chambers. But when we're talking about information like that, is that really where we want, we want to be getting our information from not only from what to, to educate ourselves, but to pass it on, you know, I put something out there earlier because I saw something that um, really spoke to me, you know, in my fast brain. And so I clicked on it and, you know, it took me to the site that was selling it. And I want to say for the last two, two years at the very least, um, 
I've even been doing that before I purchase anything. You know, I, I work hard at my job. We all do, you know, and we do this because we want to create certain lives for ourselves, right? Whatever that is, where you want to live, what kind of car you want to drive, how you want to provide for your family, you know, that's kind of what drives the work that you do and how much you get paid to do it and all that, right? Like, I mean, if we're going to keep it real on the surface, um, and I'm not going to send my money to support someone's lifestyle that may be killing my community. That. That's just the bottom line. For real. You know what I'm saying? I need to know what you're doing with the money that I'm giving you. And if I had um, $10 for every time that I said, I'm not buying this because I don't know who I am purchasing it from. I could take you and me out for a lot of fish tacos because I just don't, I don't need it. I don't need it. If you can't show me your face and who you are, then I don't need it. A lot of this has to do with cultural appropriation for me too, because, you know, mm -hmm. that's something else to buy my, you know, like my stuff for my altar or whatever. Like I know where that originates from and no Karen, no Kathy. I'm not going to buy my Palo Santo from you. You know what I'm saying? And, and like this, that falls, that falls within what well, the digital blackface in right, a sense, right? right. That, that, yeah. The same concept yes. that, you know, excellent, excellent. So, so, so I did post something earlier um, on, on Facebook, just asking people, you know, before you make an online purchase, do you oh, yeah. Yeah. look to see who you're purchasing from? Do you know um, what energy you are entertaining and feeding into? by virtue of an exchange of money, mm -hmm. you know, or like, is there some larger anti-vax group that's going to get paid? Like, I don't, I don't know. And if you can't tell me, then I can't support you. Then I don't need that t-shirt or whatever. Go and, ahead. I'll and, let you continue. <laughs> and thank, thank you. Thank you. And because and, we're going to wrap this up. We've been, we've been rocking this for mm. a minute. It's been great. <laughs> um, but just to touch on what you were saying, and that doesn't only apply to online because I, I have, a, I have an issue with, the the to blindly support small businesses like oh yeah just because oh, they're yeah. a small business we need to support them no the fuck mm -mm. we don't no mm -mm. we don't who are right? these I don't, people I don't care are they gentrifying our neighborhood right well not only that I don't, they could be a <laughs> yeah. black business that's subscribing to missing disinformation yes and putting yes. it out there they could be mm -hmm. pushing the the brexit or the walk yeah. away has to right right right, right? i'm no, not no i don't doubt. care i'm not no I don't, i'm not supporting that so definitely i i'm feel i feel you on that next one is accuracy um, is the information factual? Um, has it been peer reviewed? Is the information supported by evidence? Does the author credit their sources? Hello, mm -hmm. like where's the source? Yeah. Um, and even and even even if you're not the author, but you are sharing it, and someone asks you for the source, right? Source. Did you get it? Yeah. Did right. You, yeah. Right. Did you get it? Like, you know, first of all, we're highlighting that you didn't get a source from the original creator of that meme, that screenshot or whatever it is. And and we're also highlighting that they didn't have a source cited on. You know what I'm saying? So that should be red flags automatically. If you go onto a website and you read an article and at the beginning of that article, like we said, you don't have the bio of the author. You don't have other works of the author. You can't scroll down to the end and get the original source of 
or or the the list of citations that they use, which I that's love. a blog. That's not I an love, article, right? Because when I <laughs> let me tell you something, like in the essay that we started with that I read from, right, and 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 with most essays that have put, you know, that are what I would call legitimate or a legitimate amount of research went into it. Once you get to the bottom and you get to that list of resources, that citation page, that's the jackpot right there. Right. That's yeah. that's where you do your further research, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. I've, I've gotten books and many of other essays written when I when I'm feeling the content or when I want to when I want to interrogate and unpack the content. I'm going to go to their sources, you know, and I'm right, going to read right. through them. And sometimes there are a lot of sources. Literally, you can't go through 50, 75 sources or whatever. But you can go through and pick the ones that have raised your interest, that piqued your interest that or, or raised red flags and search them further and find out, you know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, every, I don't expect everyone to do that. But just keep in mind that if you're really trying to get to the truth, if you're really trying to find some facts, if you're really trying to find some supporting evidence, then it's going to require a little bit of work. Right, you know? right. At least or at the very bit. least, if you're not willing to do the work, then guess what? That little share button, you don't got to hit that. Right, right. You can because just keep it, it to yourself. Don't be lazy, right? <laughs> yeah, don't be yeah. lazy and share. Because there's been times where, you know, and that's, that's not to say that I've never shared any misinformation myself because i'm like but that's I said, how we learn right and that's exactly. why we're here talking you know, about it, I, because we were I told first, about ourselves when i first got hit to this whole you know uh misinformation disinformation thing a first thing i had to do was take a look at myself mm -hmm. and see how i've been conned and duped and how people have preyed on my my anxieties for whatever reason and my yep. trigger and my emotions so it's it also includes a self-assessment. This is about a self-assessment, you know. Absolutely. All right. So we're moving on to lastly, um, purpose. Why? Did we do what? the other A? What oh, do we no. do? Ac accuracy. I skipped one, didn't I? Oh, I did. I'm sorry. I skipped authority. No, okay. Authority. Okay, there you go. Who are? Oh no, I did authority. Who or what created the information? What are their credentials? Education. Oh, okay. Yes. 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 Yeah. Sorry. So All I right. Did you that. said. And lastly, we have purpose. Why was the information created to begin with? Was the information created to inform, to teach, to sell, to entertain, mm. or persuade you? Has the purpose been made clear? You know, those are very, very important questions. And they, there's, yeah. a, there's something that they highlight, and it says it's a note to remember information can have political ideological cultural religious institutional or personal bias is the is it fact opinion or propaganda now i'm i'm glad the purpose of this that we're ending with the purpose of this um and some examples it, they're giving is an article written by apple about the picture quality of an iphone like hello there's an obvious bias there so mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know when someone's selling you their product they may not be not necessarily saying that they're lying to you, but you right. know some of the features may be exaggerated. Let's say a little bit, you know, which is nothing wrong with that. It's all how you interpret it, and if you don't do the research and you're lazy about it, then you're gonna fall victim to it. You know, right? So I I, I wanted to close with mentioning um, that I'm 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 gonna speak for myself. You can speak for yourself. Um, I'm I'm clearly not 
trying to portray an image that I'm non-biased in any way. Like I made it clear that like I, I don't lean to the left. I stand firm on the left of the political spectrum. Um, so that's to, make, to, to be made clear. But I also want to um, say that this is this it, you know this topic is a non-biased topic. This is a non-partisan topic. Yes, a lot of the stuff that we're highlighting seems to be by I don't know seems to be the bad actors seem to be on one side of the spectrum. But I should mm -hmm. also highlight that propaganda misinformation is not limited to the right side of the political spectrum. Yeah. You know, and 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 it's not to also say that all propaganda is lies. You know, right. it just may be heightened and exaggerated to get people to open their eyes and start to lean another way when it comes to their thinking and their beliefs. But, right. you know, so I don't, I don't, cause the people, people will tune out right away. They will turn this off because they hear us talking about certain, you know, anti, anti-revolution um, Cubans in, in Miami or whatever. And they'll, they'll voter turn suppression, this, yeah, voter suppression issues yeah. that are usually mm -hmm. brought up by the left. And they'll they'll tune it out and dismiss it and say, mm -hmm. oh, that's 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 bias or whatever. So if if before political. you do that, <laughs> before you do that, I just want to acknowledge that although it seems to be coming from a certain direction a lot, that it's not limited to that. Because I, I don't know if you remember, but some months back, speaking on Cuba, matter of fact, with there's a um there's a there's a group in Cuba that we we started following that started you know reporting what was going on in Cuba instead of getting the word from Miami we you know and um it was it it seemed to confirm a lot of our suspicions right so we were like and then and then kind of took it to another level we were like wow like it's really that deep and then I don't know if you remember but I kind of I kind of text you and I was like how what if we're being we're falling into pro-revolution propaganda that's being you know <laughs> and i remember you said well i thought about that too and i checked this this and this and this this and this and you know i it i'm gonna say i'm it seems to be um, yeah pretty legit or whatever because you paused right you know and yes. that, and my pause was to present that question like how right, about right if we're, yeah you know it, and not to say that but it, the it, questions it was, are good because yes. that's where you start to dig deeper and where you really start to get to you know the to to the meat and potatoes to the fact of the matter you know but but once again i'm going to repeat what i said in the beginning is that the news watching the news listening to the news i remember when someone was like what do you mean you don't listen to the news how do you know what's going on in the world why do i need to know what's going on in the world if I cannot directly impact it, I don't know what's going on with my neighbor and I'm not being all up in their business. Maybe I should be. Let me concern myself with what I can impact. I think that a lot of people watch the news to make themselves feel good about themselves. I know what's going on in the world. Okay, but what are you doing about it? If you're not impacting, it doesn't know that it doesn't matter that you know. It's like a security blanket for them. And so for them to hear that the news or that this or that an article 
well, it looked like an article and the website looked legit. No, honey, it's a 16-year-old in Wisconsin who got a new laptop and knows HTML code. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And like I said, if you don't have sources, it's probably a blog. But that's where that media literacy comes in. You know, and people don't want to know that what they've trusted, the sources they've trusted, what looks legit to them is not. It, 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 it's like pulling the rug out from under them. And, you know, it does something to someone's psyche. I get it, but speaking um, of um, sixteen-year-olds, um, not just necessarily a sixteen-year-old that got a new laptop, but a team of sixteen-year-olds that are working out of a loft somewhere, or or working out of a basement in a country in South America, that are specifically paid to pump disinformation into the internet stream. Because don't think that doesn't happen. Don't mm-hmm. I suggest you you look into troll farms <laughs> and 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 really understand how this machine operates. We're not just talking about some politicians or some right wingers that are just lying to people online. We're talking about organized effort here and that 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 that's being um bankrolled heavily. And bankrolled. as Latinos, and as Latinos, as being the second largest population in this country, we need to be careful about how the information that's being put out there seemingly for our own good is really killing us. It's killing us to mm-hmm. recap. So anyway. All right. So let's just um yeah take a deep, take a deep breath. That was a deep conversation. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot more because I really feel like this is our focus. Yeah, we it Our is. focus is totally about media literacy, pointing out all the different areas where, you know, so today we talked about cultural misinformation, you know. And and, and, and that's the focus because we started yeah. off with talking about why the the media literacy and the mis- disinformation um, preys on and, and um, exploits people's vulnerabilities according to trauma um, that's been experienced by a certain group. So um, yeah. that's always going to be the, the foundation, regardless of what topics we talk about when we talk about which way is up, because we're trying to provide some type of clarity or we're all trying to find clarity ourselves, you and I, yeah. along with the listeners. So um, that's the foundation of the show. So as I exhale, <laughs> as I exhale, we thank are, you for that, by the way. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for that. Uh, it was great. Fun. We want to thank everybody. Thank all the listeners and the viewers now. And uh, remind you that you can click on our link tree, which will be posted mm-hmm. in the the the, um, the note section of the podcast. And we will also be including a series of what? A series of sources for everything yes. that we discussed a lot of the articles that we mentioned one more thing before we sign off one more thing before we sign off go 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 happy birthday to you happy birthday to you happy birthday dear sky happy birthday to you okay i just thank you applause 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 yes it was a birthday my birthday week we got snowed in and um, I thought I had I thought I had COVID in my mind for a minute, so oh, <laughs> it was an interesting so week. Good. But thank you for that. I appreciate it, yes. and I, I appreciate all the the birthday wishes on the WWIU page because you mm-hmm. did some mm-hmm. shout. You gave me shout outs on every platform. Thank I you for did. that. 
I appreciate that. I got, you know, it, it, I, that's the one time you get caught up in, in the, the, the face, you know, the Facebook fuckery with, you yes, know, the birthday your birthday. wishes. I've seen, I've seen people like me that deactivate their account and activate it around their birthday just to get that experience. <laughs> Talk about the bullshit, right? But um, um, every and everybody that wished me love on my personal Facebook page, thank you for that. And um, I think it's about that time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, until next time. This is me, T. And this is Scott. Good night.